So I, I'm just going to walk you through the word of God. And I, if I had a thought today, um, I, I want to talk about it's not worth it. Um, that, that's the thought I want to deal with, you know, this whole idea of men. So let, let's go to Genesis 39. And so I want to uh, give you a handout on today so that uh, you can make certain that you, uh, you, you know, take that with you on today. But Genesis 39, one, for those who don't know, I'm pastor of Higher Dimension Church in uh, Houston, Texas, and Katy, Texas. And so uh, I'm just glad to be here, and I thank God for the invitation to come and, and share. And Pastor Hunt, he sends me a prayer uh, every Sunday morning. I want to thank you in a special way for uh, covering me. Amen. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and lived in the house of an Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord had gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all, all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Amen. What an awesome word. And I want to talk from this thought today, just uh, y y this whole concept around it's not worth it. And I want to uh, kind of deal with, with this whole concept. So I believe family is very important. And uh, I, I believe uh, what you spend time to will reveal uh, what's of value to you. And so the other week, you know, we took our family to uh, Los Angeles, California, and we decided to go to Warner Brothers. And uh, while while in California at Warner Brothers, and we began to tour the sites. And uh, I remember the, the tour guide shared with us, they said that uh, now when we go in this building here, there are going to be some comic books. And you want to make certain that you don't touch the comic books. They're very delicate. And so you don't want to touch these comic books. Uh, you, in fact, they're worth about 200000 uh, each comic book. You know, I wish the Lord would have blessed me with one of them. Amen. If I could have just got one book, amen, it would have been a good little, little trip, right? And so, uh, so we went into this particular building. And, and what was interesting is that I thought the comic books were going to be covered in some kind of plexiglass or something like that. Uh, but actually, uh, they was kind of like, you, you know, you, you can kind of see these, these comic books. I thought it was going to be a big lock, you know, covering them. And, 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 and they had this plexiglass over them. Uh, they did do that. And they also had a security guard to the right. And, and it dawned on me that uh, these comic books were so valuable that they established a boundary uh, so that people wouldn't touch this particular comic book. It was so valuable but that not only did they put this glass around it, but they also had these security guards who was like, I wish you would uh, touch, a, touch a comic book. Hey, man, we're going to take you to jail. But, 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 but it taught me something, and that was that they established a boundary 
because whenever something is delicate, whenever something is valuable, you have to establish a boundary. And the best portrait or the best picture of a boundary, y'all know, uh, is a property line. You know, a property line is a boundary which basically lets you know that, that if, you, if you have a neighbor on this side, well, there's going to be a property line in between you and the neighbor, and uh, everything on the other side of the property line, that neighbor is responsible for that. But everything on this side, I'm responsible for that. It's a property line. It lets you know what you're responsible for. It lets you know what you should be committed to. It lets you know where you should stop. It lets you know when you have transgressed, when you have done some things that you shouldn't have done. It's called a boundary. So when I begin to think about this whole idea of boundaries and that picture from Warner Brothers, all I could think about was this whole concept of sex. Because we need some boundaries that are in place, first of all, that's going to help those who are single stay pure and those who are married avoid infidelity. We need a boundary in place to let folk know that ain't your property. You don't need to be on that side of the property because if you're on that side of the property, guess what? That's called trespassing. And folk have gone to jail for being on that side of the property. <laughs> and so I just begin to think about that, that, that we need to establish some boundaries. And, and you know, what's interesting about a boundary is that, that in the physical realm, you could see a boundary. I mean, you know a wall, you can probably see a property line. But in the spiritual realm, it's kind of hard to see a boundary. It's kind of hard to see, like, where do I stop or how do I know if I've gone too far or how do I establish a boundary so I don't touch some stuff that I ought not be touching. So I thank God for the word of God who's given us some boundaries, you know, from the story of Joseph. Y'all know the story of Joseph. So what I want to do today, I just want to walk through this story and I'm going to help you to establish some boundaries that I believe is very critical for brothers because oftentimes I'm talking to men and be like, like what's your greatest struggle? And brother be like, sex. And then I ask another brother, like what do you struggle with? Sex and what do you struggle with in sex and what do you st- sex it's like sex 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 right so uh I, I i know y'all don't have that problem but your partner amen you'll be able to take this you know to him so let's walk through this word today amen it's gonna be a great word look at genesis 39 and 6 it says so potiphar left everything he had in joseph's care with joseph in charge He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Amen. What what amazing leadership when you can entrust something to somebody and you don't have to worry about nothing because everything is taken care of. That's a whole nother thought. It says, now Joseph was well built and handsome and after... A while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Now, go back to verse 7. I want you to see this. Uh, I'm a Bible guy, so I want to walk through this. It says, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. One thing I want to suggest to you that the, the method for tempting usually starts with a look. 
that, that, that's how the devil starts. You know, it was not that, that Joseph had just gotten a job. He had the job for some time. But the text say after a while, she took notice of him. Well, how do you know that the devil used temptation or the method of looking uh, or, or, or looking as a method for temptation? Well, you just begin to search the scripture. So when you go to Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says when Eve saw the tree, she wanted it. Am I right about it? The word of God talks about David when he was on the rooftop and when he saw Bathsheba, he wanted that. So the devil will use your eyes in order to try to pull you away from where you need to be. Do I have a witness in here? Can I go a little deeper? Well, according to the scripture, the eye is actually a metaphor for a gate. And in the Bible days, they understood that if I can ram through the gate, I can get in the city. And if I can get in the city, then I can take over the whole world. Are y'all with me today? So the question for us ought to be, what is the city? I'm glad you asked your mind. If the enemy can get your mind, he can get your whole body. The enemy don't have to get your hands, just get your mind. Are y'all with me? If he gets your city, he gets your whole body. Y'all looking like I'm making this up. During 9-11, remember the terrorists did not hit the world. They just hit the city. They hit Manhattan, and the economy was messed up in the whole wide world. Because if the devil gets into your mind, that's why the Bible says you got to put on the helmet of salvation. And you got to anoint your head with oil, because if the enemy can get into your head, he can take over your body. And the way that the devil gets into your mind is through your eyes. And that's why Job said this, you got to make a covenant with your eyes. In other words, you have to pledge that there's just some stuff I'm just not going to look at. Tell your brother, don't look at it, don't look at it. Okay, let me give you something that, that I suggest. If somebody walk by a man and they look nice, it's, come on, you married or whatever, you're not blind. You're a Christian, you're not blind. So this is what I suggest you do. Just take a long look the first time. Amen. Because if... if if, if you look the second time, it's probably not a pure look. It's probably a look. If you like, ooh, I'm so, so just take a nice little look the first time. Are y'all with me? And the Bible says when she noticed, this is big, when she noticed that the word of God says in verse 7, he says, come to bed with me. Come to, come to bed with me. Now watch this, church. I want you to see this. Look at verse 10. He says, and though she spoke to Joseph, Day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Come on, say that with me. And though he what? Read that with me. And though she what? Uh-huh. Day what? Uh-huh. Y'all see that? Now, now notice she kept on speaking. Because one thing about the devil is that he's persistent. He's not going to stop until he decodes you. Whatever he can do to try to, 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 try to destroy you, he's going to continue to do that. And the Bible says that, that she kept on, she kept on trying to get at him. She kept on trying to mess with him. It's called sexual harassment. She kept on messing with him. She kept on bothering him. And you need to understand that the devil know exactly what you like. And he's always going to send the thing to try to distract you. But look at verse 8. This is what I, I want to I I give you this first thought. He says, but he refused. Y'all see that? Yeah. But he refused. He refused. 
you know, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owned, he has entrusted to my care, which brings to me the first boundary. And that is, you ready? Words. Your words can keep you from going into some yards you have no business going into. You need to understand that what protected him because he was a single man from fornication, it was his words. And you have to get to the place as a man where you use your words in order to stop you from doing some things you have no business doing. And one of the most powerful words that we can use is no. You got to learn how to say no. Amen. Not no. No, no, no. I'm talking about a convincing no. Amen. That, that there is power with your words. And you got to get to the place that you have a word before the temptation show up. Uh, you know, I tell folk all the time that, you, you know, my church, that when the devil is not shooting, that means he's reloading. And if the devil is reloading, that means you need to be preparing yourself. Because I think I read a couple of weeks ago that if, if a spirit leaves your house, he's going to get some more spirits. Do I have a witness in here? So when the devil come back, you got to be ready for that. When, when, when it's time to fight, it ain't time. See, see when, when you, you, you know, I'm a preacher and I do have 66 shooter, but I got another shooter. Amen. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I know I'm not the only one. Amen. I'm licensed cop. Amen. I'm, I am licensed, <laughs> but, 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 but what I want you to understand is that I got a 66 shooter in my house. I got something else, and they taught me when I was getting my license that, that a criminal is not going to wait for you to load your gun. In other words, you got to already be locked and loaded when the enemy shows up. And that's why when the enemy shows up and says, if you are who you say you are, turn these stones to bread. And Jesus was able to reach back into Deuteronomy and say, but it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Tell you, maybe you got to be locked and loaded. You need your... You need your word because a word will serve as a boundary. The Bible says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And consistent memorization of scripture gives you the strength to fight off sin. Consistent memorization of the scripture gives you the power to fight off sin. Listen, I, I just wrote a book, and Torsh and I, uh, we've been together for 24 years. We've been married 21 years. I love her and like her. And, uh, you, you, you know, but, but early on in the marriage, it was hell. It was so much hell that I'm preaching the word of God, and yet front like my marriage got everything together. It was pure hell. In fact, I left. I left, uh, packed up my oldest son who's here now, packed up my, my jabos, packed up my lease, packed up my herringbone. My grandfather had me a shotgun, and uh, I went all the way to Missouri City to my mama house, right? And uh, my mom said, boy, go back home because you said to death do us part, and you need some folk who are going to hold you accountable to the word of God. God, are you with me today? And, and, and I went back, and 21 years later, uh, Torsh and I are still together. And I asked her something. I said, baby, when I wanted to leave, why didn't you leave? And she messed me up. She said, the word had weight. 
And I wonder, do the word have weight, W-E-I-G-H-T? Do I have a, because when there's a respect for the word of God, then you'll hang around believing that eventually, if he says it's going to change, it's got to change. You got the word have to have weight in your life, amen, because words will serve as a boundary from doing some things that you ought not be doing. Let's go to verse 9. Look at verse 9. It says, no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So I see two things happening here. Number one, I see him thinking about Potiphar, but I also see him thinking about his relationship with God. Because the second boundary in your life is not, peop- is not, a, is not a word, is people. You need some people in your life who are not subjected to your addiction. And if everybody around you is a yes person, then you're running with the wrong folk. You need some folk in your life who are going to tell you the truth. You're wrong. You have no business doing that. They don't care if you go to pouting. They don't care if you get mad. You need some people in your life. And you, it, there comes a time when you have to embrace the passage that says two are better than one. Two better than one. And you know who understood this? David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan understood two are better than one. The word of God says they, they, they formed a covenant agreement together. And I begin to think about that. If they believed two are better than one, then where was Jonathan when David messed with Bathsheba? Why didn't, why, didn't, why didn't Jonathan show up and try to stop this boy from going across that particular boundary? And it dawned on me, Jonathan was dead. All I'm trying to say is that you need some folk in your life who are not going to allow you to do things that you have no business doing. Who is the Jonathan in your life? Who is that person in your life who's telling you, you need to pray more and you need to serve more and you need to read your word more? Who are those? Okay, okay, okay. How many of y'all remember uh, when, when, when Joshua... Uh, had to fight uh, uh, the Amalekites at Rephidim. Y'all remember that? You remember they were fighting? And remember what happened? The books say that, they, that her and Aaron went to the top of the hill with the rod of God. Y- y'all remember that? And, and, and the books say that as long as his hands were up, they, they, they were victorious in the battle. Are y'all with me? Now, if you go study hands up, you do know that it's a picture of prayer. But the scripture says that he grew tired. Now, if it's a picture of prayer, that meant he grew tired of doing something spiritual. But thanks be to God that he had two folk on the side of him that was going to help him to continue to do the things that he would eventually get tired of doing. So my question is, who are the people in your life who encourages you to keep your hands hands up. Who are the people that encourage you to keep on praying, to keep coming to Bible study? Because if the truth be tired, we all get tired. But you need people in your life who will help you to keep your hands up. 
couple of weeks ago, I was riding with my partner, and we were riding downtown, right? And uh, in riding downtown, you know, they got all the crazy streets. And so I turned down the street, and I grew up in like Third Ward. So, you, you know, you know, right now I have about five percent of hood still in me. You know, God has delivered the rest out of me. So God is still working on me. When I want to do the right thing, evil is still present with me. I know some of y'all don't have that issue, uh, but 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 I'm I'm still struggling well. Amen. And and I'm driving down the street, and while driving down the street, you know, people start blowing their horn at me. So guess what? I blew my horn back at them. They start flicking their lights at me. So guess what? I flick my lights back at them. <laughs> they start pointing their finger at me. So guess what? I'm pointing my finger at me. And then my partner said, no, 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 T. They're just telling you you're going the wrong way. <laughs> my, my question is, who are you riding with? that will tell you you're going the wrong way because the people in your life they are passengers and guess what a passenger can see what you can't see coming you need some people in your life who will tell you you are going the wrong way you ought not be smoking that drinking that doing that saying that you need those kind of people in your life somebody shout people people well let me give you another one I'm gonna let you go in a minute consequences is a boundary. See, the reason why I believe Joseph did not mess with Potiphar's wife is because he understood that, that you, you shouldn't covet another man's wife. He understood the law. He understood the word of God. He understood this whole idea of adultery. He understood this whole idea of infidelity. And he decided, watch this. This is going to bless you. He decided that the pleasure was not worth the price. See, this is what I've learned about, about, about fornication and adultery. Y'all ready? The devil won't give you the full price until you get to the register. Because we think it don't cost that much. But I know folk who have lost their church. They have lost their family. They have lost their mind. They have lost their children. Because the devil did not show them the full price. It tell your neighbor it costs a lot. I'm trying to tell you. And there ought to be some folk up in here who can say the moment of gratification is not worth what God is getting ready to do in my life. It ain't worth it. The consequences are too great. And he says, no, my, my, my relationship with God is greater than that. I, I, I value my relationship with God. And you need to, to, to keep consequences at the forefront. Because consequences will serve as a boundary in your life. Are y'all getting this? So, so if the enemy tried to, to tempt you, brothers, well, first of all, the way that you know a temptation from a test, according to the book of James, is because, because God don't tempt us. Because a temptation is something that leads to destruction. But a test is ultimately for our development. So whenever something is trying to tempt you, you know it's a temptation if it is contrary to the will of God. Are y'all with me? And if you are ever tempted, don't try to be macho, the first thing you need to do is send a flare up. Now you do know what a flare is, huh? A, a, a flare is SOS. Listen, you can't be too proud to beg. If you need God to show up in your life, I know you're strong, I know you got muscles, but this fight is not by might. Do I have a witness in here? You're going to need some spiritual strength. So if the enemy is trying to attack you, you got somebody say, send a flare up. 
You got to learn how to come to the throne of grace. You got to learn how to call on God. And then you got to learn how to spit it out. Somebody just spit it out, spit it out. Young young man was was fishing and 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 while he was fishing, uh, it, it it dawned on me that that he, he couldn't catch a fish. He couldn't catch the fish. He couldn't catch he couldn't catch the fish. He couldn't catch the fish. So the guy who was next to him, he said, "Can I tell you why he couldn't catch catch the fish?" He said, "Well, let me show it to you." So he took the rod and he began to fish, and boom, he was able to catch the fish. He said, "Why couldn't I?" catch the fish why you was able to throw it in there and you caught the fish but every time I try to catch the fish I couldn't catch it he said oh it's simple it's simple let me tell you why he said the fish that you're trying to catch been caught before so whenever they feel the hook they spit it out See, all I'm trying to tell you, when you've been caught before and you feel or taste anything that resembles what you used to be in, you spit it out. Do it. You, any conversation that resembles what you used to, you spit it out. Any type of image on a television. You, am I talking to anybody up in here who can say, I've been there? I'll say, y'all acting too holy. Look, look at your name and say, he's talking about me right now. Because I ain't saved because I ain't never done nothing wrong. I done done some stuff, I done slept some places, I done drunk some things, and I've made up my mind, I ain't going back there no more. You see, the only thing that go back to the thing that made it sit is a dog. Dogs go back to the vomit. But my question to the dog is, why are you going to go back to the thing that made you sick in the first place? If you've been set free from that, don't go back to that. Don't go back to that. Don't go back to that. So, so, so somebody shout consequences. Well, let me give you this last one. Look at verse 11. It says, one day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out the house. Mm-hmm. Verse 13 when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run at the house. Now, now number one, uh, if, if you're going to establish a boundary, no. Consequences. And uh, people, but fourthly, a geographical distance. In other words, you have to avoid any place, any person. That's going to drag you from the will of God. Have I got a witness in here? You, you have to avoid that. And, you, and, and, and let me just bless you with something. All of us, if we are put in the right circumstance, are subject to do some stuff that you ought not be doing. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how many Bibles you have. I don't care how many tongues you can talk in. I don't care how many seminaries you have gone to. I don't care if you got the Jesus patch. I don't care. I don't care how long you've been in. I promise you there's some bait. There's some stuff that if you are placed in the wrong position will cause damage in your life. So you got to learn how to run for it. You got to get away from that. You got you to get away from some Instagram stuff, some Facebook stuff, some conversation stuff. Because a geographical distance will serve as a boundary. That's what he did. He had a boundary. He had a boundary. 
He had a boundary. He, 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 he had a boundary because he didn't want to trespass. He didn't want to trespass. He, he, he didn't want to touch something that he had no business touching. And that ain't even what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is, why? What is it that made him establish these boundaries? I think I found it. Look at verse 14. It says, she called her household servant. Look, she said to them, the Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me. Verse 15. When he heard me scream for help, he left his coat beside me and ran out the house. 16. She kept his cloak beside her until his master had came home. Verse 18, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his coat beside me and ran. Go back to verse 19, when, when his master heard the story, his wife told him saying, this is how your slave treated me. Verse 20, Joseph's master took him, put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes. Oh, God. Do you know why he established the boundary? Because he knew that stepping across the line would cause him to jeopardize his favor. So when he understood the favor, see some of y'all don't know what favor is. It's when you get special a treatment and you didn't even ask for it. It's when you was getting ready to pay for stuff, but you just prayed for it and God opened the door for that thing to happen. Let me show you what favor is. Favor is the other day when I was riding in coach and the stewardess came back to coach and said, "Uh, Mr. Johnson, the computer have randomly selected you and have bumped you to first class. Now, now, Now she said it was the computer, but God told me, no, that's what favor is. Favor will bump you from coach to first class and you didn't even ask for that. Am I talking to anybody up in here? You weren't even supposed to get the car because of your beacon score but you got the keys and a year of gas paid for them. You weren't even supposed to get the house but you had to walk through. You weren't even supposed to get the healing but thanks be to God you didn't have an Obamacare but you had God care and you got healed anyhow and he said it ain't worth my favor and I don't know who I'm speaking to you ought to establish some boundaries in your life because it ain't worth your favor can you just touch three folk tell them it ain't worth my favor it ain't worth God opening doors for me it ain't worth my favor and guess what y'all the favor y'all ready the favor was not the coat and the favor wasn't a cloak the favor was God was with him and you want to make certain that everybody else may walk out on you but I never want to lose the presence of God now I ain't talking about the omnipresence I'm talking about the manifest presence I'm talking about when God show up and he begin to open doors for you he begin to heal for you can you just touch three folk and tell them I don't want to lose the favor of God on my life I don't want look at some I say three minutes is not worth the favor. 
y'all know what I'm talking about brothers a little bump and grind ain't worth the favor a one night stand is not worth the favor can somebody give God the best shout you got in this place and say it ain't worth my favor it ain't worth my future it's not worth what God got in store for me he say it ain't worth it it ain't worth the presence of God it ain't worth me losing the favor that God have on my life. It ain't worth that. So I'm going to run from that. I'm going to create a boundary that's stopping me from going there because I don't want to lose the favor of God. I never want to interfere with God being near to me. I never want to, I, I never want God to have to scratch his head if I should get a blessing. I don't want to interfere with the favor of God that's on my life. So I'm going to establish me some boundaries to keep me in the will of God. Because I don't want to lose his favor. Because as long as I got his favor, I survived the pit. As long as I got his favor, every time I come in the house, people are going to be blessed because of me. I don't want to lose. Somebody shout. The word favor actually in Hebrew, it means nearness. Somebody shout nearness. I don't. I want to be near to God. You know why? Because there's a thing called proximity blessings. Oh, y'all think I'm making it up? The book say God gave Moses a promise, but it felt on Joshua. It felt on, on, on Joshua. Why? Because there's a thing called proximity blessings. Not long ago, my, my, my cousin, Rashard Lewis, played basketball for Miami with LeBron. And uh, never shall forget, I never shall forget, Rashard was on the bench jumping up. He all excited when they won the championship in Miami. And so I'm like, what you so happy for, Rashad? He ain't even dressed. He ain't even in the game. But Rashad knew if the king won and he on the same team, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but you don't even have to be in the game because at Calvary, oh, I wish I had some folk up in here. Jesus Christ, he won it. He gave us the victory. Sex is causing singles not to be pure. And it's causing those who are married to practice infidelity. And we wonder why. Not the omnipresence, but the, the manifest presence of God. The favor of God. It wasn't a coat. If you go read the story, the book say, and the Lord was with him and the Lord was with him and that's why when they threw him in a pit with no water he survived it because the Lord was with him and that's why when he went to Potiphar's house as soon as he got in the house he gets promoted because the Lord was with him and they throw him in prison and he get promoted there because God was with him. So I came all the way back from the south side to tell you. If you're doing it, 
It ain't worth it. Yes, sir. Amen. It ain't worth it. Yes, sir. It ain't worth it. It's not worth it. God need men who will learn to say no. Some of the promises of God will be postponed till you get that right. If you don't believe me, just ask Abram, Abraham. In the 17th chapter, after he gets circumcised, the Lord released the promise. You'll catch that when you get home. <laughs> after he gets circumcised, when you can get that right, <laughs> when that get right, I'm going to release the promise that I have in store for you. And I've seen pastor and deacons and members, families destroyed for three seconds. Because you know if it lasts, you know what we're trying to get to. If it, if it go past the three seconds, you die. For three seconds. And we have to get to the place where we manage that. And you fight to stay in alignment with God's will. So my wife and I, we wrote a book. We got a movement, the answer. And in this book, we talk about what we believe. See, it's, it's kind of like until we begin to apply God's principles to our marriage, it was hell. How many of you know oil and water don't mix? Anybody know that? All and water don't mix. Am I right? But it mix in mayonnaise. Oh, yeah. Mayonnaise is together. When you put all and water in mayonnaise, it come together. You know why? Because they put an emulsifier in it called egg. Egg bring all and water together. The Lord say when you put Jesus in your life, things that ain't even supposed to mix will come together. And if we can get back to living the principles of Jesus Christ, I believe that we will begin to see profound transformation. I truly believe that if the man get right, the home will get right. I tell men all the time in my church, men go first. Your family is where you have led them, if you're the leader. And if you led them to the ditch, be man enough to admit it. Go to the Lord, get a plan, and lead them out of it. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I want to encourage you, amen. Matter of fact, if you will, if you will pull out your phones. I want you to pull your phones out real quick. I want you to do something. I want you to do something. I have partnered with with men all over the country. And every Friday, we release a word, four minutes, called Fact Friday, Faith, Answers, and Questions. Because surround sound is causing us not to be biblically sound. I told my men, I told the church that, that when somebody walk in the room, you see they vibe. And vibe comes from vibration. And vibration comes from sound. Faith cometh by hearing 
And if you go search the scripture, the Bible says Noah heard something. And from hearing, he began to activate his faith in God. And the more you can hear the word of God, sound teaching, I truly believe it will create a different vibe. I want you to text this. Text answer to 444-999. Text answer to 444-999. And every Friday, it's going to ask you for your email. Every Friday, you're going to get a word from us. Text answer to 444-999. And every Friday, you're going to get a word from us. Not just me, pastors, business people all over the world. Just Three minutes, just four minutes, just a word. And then I want to encourage you, Pastor, I don't know, uh, you didn't put this in your conference registration, amen, but if everybody would get the book, let me tell you why. I found out you don't have marriage problems. You have unresolved single issues that smuggled into marriage. We have unresolved issues that we're smuggling in because the devil don't win when you break up when you're dating. He wins when you get married and you go through a divorce. So I want to give you some answers on every aspect of your life that I believe will help you to be a better man and help her to be a better woman. Pastor, I didn't understand submission. I'm telling my wife, you need, to, you need to submit to me. You need to do what I say. You need to do that. You know what the Lord told me? You know what he told me? Godly men don't demand submission. They earn it. Jesus didn't demand it. He earned it through random acts of kindness. But because I was so naive, God had given me a helper, and I wouldn't let her help. I had a helper, but didn't let her help. Brothers, I'm telling it, it, it really bless you. We just did Essence, uh, you know, just all over the country, and I just want to encourage you. And, and all I'm doing, let me tell you what I'm doing, and I'm done. Let me tell you what I'm doing. When Jesus gets out of the grave, his disciples are in a room. Remember that? And the books say he pops up, and he shows Thomas his scars. I said, Lord, what are you saying? When you have gone from a scab to a scar, that means you're healed. When God takes you from a hurt, he heals you, you're supposed to help. Peter, when you are strengthened, when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. And all Torsh and I are doing, we're letting folk know we had scabs, and now we got scars. The books say you overcome by the blood of the lamb. And the testimony. Amen. So we'll be out there. We want to encourage you uh, to definitely get that. And remember, brothers, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Take these notes, apply it, tweet it, whatever you need to do, and be that. Father, we love you today. We thank you. We thank you, God, for this moment of conversation. We thank you for the word that has gone forth. I pray today that every man will recommit to loving you. I pray, God, that 
we will recommit to taking care of those who you've entrusted us with. I thank you now for the vision of this pastor. Bless him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.